There we go. All right. Time between <laughs> episodes. I am happy. I'm pouring a shot. That's something to celebrate. I like that. Let's get recording, please. I have pictures pulled up from Kagan that make me happy. They're just snakes that are cool and then enclosures <laughs> that are cool. So, Welcome to oh, ep- episode 73, everybody. <laughs> Keep it going. I love it. Keep it going. We're here with Lucas Bagnera and Nathan Katz and myself, Kagan Andrew, to deliver you a wonderful episode of TikTok is going to be in the books. And we always appreciate our Patreon members. That Discord is always popping. There is something going off every single day. The bioactive lounge has got something. There's somebody giving chili recipes. We're always talking about snakes. It's great. She's not wrong. (laughs) Chili recipes. I'm missing out. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to drop my elote uh, chowder recipe. Can you tell and me she watches our podcast? Our <laughs> That's right. Into the spot. I feel like I got to put it in. Sorry. It's a little early, but we're doing it. Oh, that was good. Uh... <laughs> Make sure... I'll, I'll add on to it. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe on the YouTube. That definitely helps the algorithm, helps new people see our episodes. So please do us a favor there. Uh, as well as our Spotify listeners, make sure to rank and also review our episodes. We put out Q&As there every once in a while. So uh, make sure you help us grow and put your feedback in there. Whether you're just getting into retics or you've been breeding for years, the first place you want to visit is Stewart Design. More and more breeders keep showing up at shows on Morph Market and are all over social media. Sometimes it may feel possible to get anyone's attention. Stewart Designs helps small businesses like yours do big things through brand clarity, helping entrepreneurs to start and scale businesses that are easy to know and love. Their work can help any company or industry, but they've done a ton of work for ours. Stewart Design created the brands for US Arc, Canova, Reach Out Reptiles, Coiled, and dozens of other well-known reptile breeders. Like many of us, the owner of Stewart Design, Blake, is a keeper and breeder who fell in love with Retix through first working with Garrett Hartle. Although Stewart Design does a lot of corporate work, Blake has a passion for working with people in the reptile industry. Stewart Design can help if you're just getting started or you're ready to take things to the next level, you're struggling to stand out and build your presence online or at shows, you don't want to be like the other guys or get lost in the crowd, and you want to make your own way doing what you love. And also, you have big ideas and know your business is special but you need help sharing it with the reptile community. If something here resonates with you, reach out to Blake and have a conversation. To learn more or get started, visit stuartdesignbrands.com or call them at 855-SD-LOGOS. Clear brands own markets. Stuart Design helps create them. If you are in the market for an enclosure for your reticulated python or any other one of your reptiles, Focus Cubed Habitats is your one-stop shop for not only the best-looking cages on the market, but also provide amazing features and add-ons to your cages. We partnered with Focus Cubed Habitats because they continue to innovate and change the way we house our animals unlike any other caging company out there. Their cages are designed intelligently and provide the most stylish and secure housing for your animals' comfort and well-being. Visit focuscubedhabitats.com for your animals' caging needs. Again, 
visit focuscubedhabitats.com for some amazing and stylish enclosures. We also want to thank VivTech Products for being an affiliate sponsor of the Retic Lounge. Stop by VivTech Products for the best UV spectrum lighting on the market that will enhance and improve your snake's overall well-being and health. Visit VivTechProducts.com and use the code RETICLOUNGE23 today for 15% off. Again, visit VivTechProducts.com and use our affiliate code RETICLOUNGE23 today for 15% off. Looking for the perfect accessories for your hatchlings or juvenile retics? Look no further than Heli Guy Serpents. Our sponsor, Chris Sexton, is coming in hot with an amazing 3D printer, creating top-notch perches and other caging accessories for your beloved pets. Enrich your retics environment with their high-quality products. Use our promo code TRL10 for a 10% discount on your purchase. Visit them today at heliguyserpents.com and start giving your pets the best. Heliguy Serpents, the premier source for 3D printed caging accessories. Again, that's www.heliguyserpents.com and use our promo code TRL10 for 10% off all of your 3D printed accessories today. That was beautiful. You two keep going. I'm just going to drink a beer and <laughs> have a good episode. I'm just, I'm here to listen. So we're, we're trying to... over here. Lucas is, has decided to take a night off. <laughs> so it's been killing me, Nathan, because we were going to bring up a topic about some of your hatchlings on the last TikTok, and we ran out of time and didn't get to bring it up. And it has just been, it's been eating at me. Okay. That, that we didn't get to talk about these hatchlings of yours. Yeah, so I think bring them up. It's time. It's your time. It, time. It, it's time. <laughs> um, so yeah, man, I would really have to look back. Uh, I believe I hatched out 17 that made it out of the egg. Mm-hmm. Um, ooh, 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 let me look behind on my whiteboard one second. Oh, he's got a tally behind him. Yeah, I'm trying to. My my ADHD brain is uh, right in front of me, uh, but I had four animals that uh, were just failure to thrive. Uh, one that I sent out to my good buddy, uh, Chris Sexton, uh, sponsor of the podcast, Helly Guy Serpents. Uh, I... I don't know what happened with his animal. Uh, he doesn't know what happened with his animal. I wish that we had some better clue there. Uh, all the other animals, they kind of had signs that they were going to be failure to thrive, whether they were uh, just not accepting food on... Oh, not accepting food on their own. All right, kind of half finished my thought, Lucas. I just wanted to give some background context in case like everyone's like, where the hell did we just start? Nathan hatched a clutch and has had some animals kind of like start off good and then not good. And then some that were perfectly fine and then just started, you know, dissipating, but that that's where we're getting at that. At the last TikTok, we talked about that, but um, in case anyone's like, what are we talking about? Um, so there's some four, people four of 17. So it's not like amazing numbers out of the clutch. There were a, a, yeah. a let's see two or three that didn't make it out of the egg, but they were kinked. Like there were issues that they wouldn't have made it anyway. 
So there's some people that are very against force feeding any failure to thrive animals. What did you decide to do with yours? Uh, so the ones that were obvious, like wouldn't make it. I just didn't feed them. If they ate on their own, then that was their own thing. And I would keep them until they died on their own. That was my plan there. Um, I had, excuse me. Um, I had a tiger with an enlarged heart. It was very clear right out of the egg. Um, that one, oh, that brings up another. But that was different. Just to like disclaimer, that was different from the one that you. Yeah, sold yeah, to yeah. Someone. I need to get into that. Yeah. I, I I almost totally forgot about that animal. Uh, Ryan now owns that animal. Uh, anyways, um, so that that one with the obvious enlarged heart, um, never ate on its own. One day, it eventually ended up dead in its tub. Um, and then there were a few that, or there were a handful, probably five or six that weren't eating like right away on their own. And through some soaking and palpating, I discovered that some of them had hard belly. I was going to ask, have you guys ever dealt with any hatchlings that had hard belly? That's, that's yeah, it, it feels like to me with, with really tiny super dwarfs. It felt like uh, if you're familiar with palpating, especially if it's just uh, urates or fecal matter, I feel like it It felt like mostly urates built up. They're a little softer. They're, they're a little more gummy, but it's really, really hard gum. It's a very, mm -hmm. very strange feeling. Mm -hmm. um, and it, so from what I understand, hard belly typically happens when the yolk is either absorbed too slowly and the yolk hardens outside of the egg and then is then absorbed into the animal to where it's it's no longer soft and absorbent and it just sits as a hard mass in the animal's stomach and it's very difficult to pass or it happens when the yolk detaches from the bottom of the egg and it you know starts hardening that way and is then is then absorbed yeah, and I, I want to get back to the en enlarged heart animals uh, because there was one other that popped up. Uh, there was a wild type that was eating great for me uh, when I had it here. Uh, I, I have videos, pictures of it. It looks totally normal, was acting totally normal, eating totally normal. Um, did have a slight kink at the very tip of its tail, but nothing that would affect the snake's livelihood. Um, months and months later, um, I know it went on a food strike for two or three weeks, but, uh, the owner ended up messaging me and it showed an enlarged heart all of a sudden. So, you know, I've never seen that just pop out. Now that's definitely know, different down the line. I've seen hatchlings come out of the egg with a very clear enlarged heart, but I've, I've never seen them develop that over time. That's wild. Yeah, I like the video that he posted of the animal. There was like no mistaking it, and yeah. like that—that's not something that I like is an oversight. I, I I need to get an update on that animal, honestly. But uh, just transparency for everyone. I mean, as a breeder, just stuff that pops up like that with two animals that are, are apparently healthy that get sent out, and stuff pops up like that, you know, right away. 
uh, the deceased animal, of course, you know, he has pick of whatever I produce next. He picked one of the, the, the best animals out of that litter. So, you know, I don't care what I produce. Um, and then the other one where it's just a wild type, he gets an animal at the, the same cost of what, what he put out. I mean, you know, that's just something as a breeder, it, it, it sucks. And it's something that came up beyond my control, but you know, I have to do right by whatever means possible. The, the issue, the thing is, is that like what you're doing, I think in this, like in industry standard is actually above and beyond because most people, if the animal's alive for two, three, four, five, six weeks, and they don't report an issue X amount of days after shipping, like that, that's what happens in to my, animal, that's in my, that's in my agreement, but you know, uh, call me a softy. I, I do a lot of community service. Uh, it, it's a, it's a pet in the end of the day for me. So like, no, I'm the same you know, way. these people are attached to these animals. There's a reason they bought them from me. Uh, and I would like to, there to be a reason for them to continue. And I'd like to do right by the situation. That's, what's really beautiful about having your, such a small collection is you are so focused in on these animals. You get to know each of the hatchlings by personality, by individuality. And then you're very connected to them when they go out to their homes and you check in with the customers because, you know, you're not producing hundreds a year. You've got this very small group and you, you want to, you know, you want to follow up with that. I love that. That's why I want to cut back and do tree monitors too. I mean, it, I feel like I want to be connected to the animals that I put out into the world and, I don't want to get beyond a point of my own means. So, you know, I, I mean it in the end of the day when I'm, I'm not about the drama in the end of the day in this community of reptiles. I'm about these animals. It's almost easy to kind of get like, you know, wrapped up in some of it with a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about lately, but yeah, absolutely. I, I think that, you know, any breeder that's willing to, um, you know, I had a, a, a partho clutch, that was, you know, that, that Partho King. Out. Don't. Partho I, King. Partho I, I, King. That, that Partho like the, King. I have yet to be named King in anything, but Lucas, I think you're starting to earn your name. I think so too. The last thing that I want. Um, what's crazy is that <laughs> I haven't, I have another female turnate. King that she Partho, just, first of his name. I have another female turnate that just shed and she hasn't eaten in about six weeks and there hasn't been a single lock or interest from a male and I'm pretty sure she's grabbing right now. So, um, yeah, frustrating. But anyways, um, I had that Partho Kalatoa clutch and uh, um, there were a few that were thriving, like no different than any of my other hatchlings. And so I sold those animals to people at a discounted rate of what I would sell a normal female Calito for. Um, so they weren't full price, but then I also told them as well, like if this animal like dies on you for absolutely no reason, let me know. And like, uh, and I, 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 for some people, like I, I would want maybe uh, some pictures and, or at least just some honesty. But at the end of the day, I told them I'd be willing to, um, give them $750 credit towards another animal. Um, but I, I, the ones that I released were all thriving, eating, pooping, shedding, doing phenomenal. Typically my experience, because I've had other part of the clutches before is the ones that died typically die within six to eight months. So 
I, I would say just like great beginner advice for anyone getting a hatchling retake from anyone is make sure it's eating, pooping, shedding, just all of the basics. Like especially pooping before you feed it the next meal is huge, especially if you're getting a just recently established hatchling retake. Yeah, and I know there's even controversy about the idea of selling parthos. Some people are like, no, you shouldn't. Like, they, you know, could, you know, die earlier, shorter life expectancy. But um, I know off the top of my head, at least five clutches that have been produced from partho females. As a matter of fact, one of the lines of slayers that we have that there's a clutch that, um, who was it? I don't know. In 2020, someone produced a clutch uh, uh, from a female slayer. Uh, that was a partho from nerd big girl and she threw you know that one of you know you can barely find animals unrelated in the Solaire locality range and that like that's the only other line that like that i know of that's not related to the retic ranch gary lawless line and it was created by a partho female um and she's got age on her so um i know of a few others as well what do you guys think about that like the ethics behind parthenogenesis and selling them because i have the clutch of turnate parthos in my incubator and i've had like five people message me saying that they would want a baby um it's kind of it's kind of tough i feel like it's a situational basis just based on the way the animals come out of the egg and and how they look because i've seen partho babies look incredibly weak i mean right from the get-go just come out of the egg. They almost don't even look fully developed. Their colors aren't bright. They don't look great. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, those animals clearly failed to thrive. Uh, but then, so I think I sent Glenn some pictures of some, uh, there was a, a white tiger that I saw Partho at one point, And she threw some absolutely gorgeous babies. I mean, just some of the most, intensely colored white albinos the oranges were just so saturated and they looked so beautiful and i was so in love with this clutch so i paid it extra special attention there were regular white albinos and there were super tigers in there and uh one of the things that really surprised me about this clutch was the fact that the animals right from the get-go smashed chicks had no problems digesting things were pooping normally and then all of a sudden would kick the bucket like just one would drop off one week, a couple weeks later, another would drop off. And it just, it, it was so weird because they were fat, healthy hatchlings, you know, well, not fat, but you know, they were, they were healthy looking. Yeah. That hasn't happened in my experience. I've had the weak ones, like you said, that just failure to thrive and they die. Mm -hmm. And then all the ones that ate from the get-go have like, yeah. they haven't slowed down. And I'm, I'm like a hundred, uh, not a hundred. I'm like 95% sure that my, very first retake that I produced from my wild hot female uh, was also a partho baby because the whole clutch kind of went to shit and um, there's only two animals that survived out of the egg both of them females and um, I mean she's coming up on three years old in mm. two months um, so, well, so that, that specific example that I gave that was the only time that I saw uh, a partho clutch that looked like it was thriving and then just would kind of drop off. Otherwise yeah. it was very, you know, one way or the other, they either thrived and did very well and went on to live or they were failure to thrive and, 
and passed. Yeah. And, and, and that's exactly why I told the people that bought them like, hey, I'm selling them because they are absolutely thriving, just like any of my other hatchlings. But if anything does happen and they die yeah. randomly out of nowhere within their first four years of life, you know, I, I honor that credit. So am I understanding it correctly that you have a partho female that produced a partho clutch? No, that was that was the nerd slayer. Oh, that, okay. That, yeah, it was a nerd slayer part parthenogenesis female that was bred to a wild caught male slayer mm -hmm. that produced a clutch. Okay. Yeah, partho babies. I, like I said, then that's what I was talking about. I know off the top of my head, five, at least five, partho females that then went on to produce their own clutch pretty crazy <laughs> uh kagan's muted we can make fun of her <laughs> add it to the counter it's not us now shucks <laughs> um i should say that is really crazy yeah <laughs> um but yeah so, i mean on the topic of partho um yeah i mean i've had you know my wild caught kalatoa has thrown two now um i had my f1 philippine throw one i had a turnate just throw one and now i have potentially my other turnate that's about to throw one so we're talking about five partho clutches in the last you know i'm averaging more than one partho clutch a year at this point what's in that texas water man i don't know maybe, <laughs> I, should, maybe I should get them off the water softener water <laughs> Seriously, it's it's and you know it's funny. It's like a running joke of Partho King, but it's not something that is fun. I don't want that to happen. No, I know that was not. very stressful for you because you had just gone out for your birthday uh, vacation, and your helper texts you like, "Hey man, this girl just laid a Partho clutch," <laughs> and you're like, "Shit." Hold, hold up. The crazy part about that is when she had that shed, I was like, "Is she gravid?" Is she because she she blew up with follicular? You were talking about it with me before it even laid. Yeah, and I was just like, "Do I think she's gravid? Do I think she's not?" And then I was almost for certain that she was not gravid because she ate twice after mm -hmm. that prelay shed. One of them being five days before she laid. Oh my gosh! <laughs> she never stopped eating. She just needs something to help push the eggs down. Yeah. See, and I have the opposite issue right now where one of my females that is developing follicles right now is already refusing to eat and i had to smack her with a rat a tiny rat she didn't want the rabbit that i offered her and then she didn't want the chicken that i offered her and so i had to smack her in the face with a rat and she was finally like okay i'll take the small rat that's literally not going to do anything for me that's, that's and then she didn't want a second rat I that typically all my females that go off of food will do that. They'll deny the bigger meals and then they'll eat the smaller meal. And typically after that, that's like the last meal or two that they have. And yeah, have, have you thrown the mail in? Oh no, he's in there right now. Oh, yeah. I was gonna say like no, he's he's been in there on and off. But especially after she just denied the big meals and and went for the rat as soon as you know she was about a couple days after having eaten that, I was like, all right, buddy, going back in. Yep. Have fun. <laughs> But oh, I had, so this is the first year that I'm pairing 
a a smaller i mean she's she's still pretty decent size but she's small enough to where i can palpate her and i had posted a couple days on the discord or a couple days ago on the discord a video of me palpating her and it was very evident you know the bumps that my my fingers would come across as my finger would run across the follicles i thought that was super cool because all of the other females that i've uh seen bred or have uh, bred in the past, uh, were so big that they're just, you know, you can't palpate a girl this big or this big, you know, it's yeah. really, really difficult, Ooh. but she's big enough to where I can, you know, do you ever palpate with a paper towel? Mm -mm. How do you do that? Well, just use it to let the snake run through. I, I feel like I can feel the lumps a little bit easier. Yeah. Have you used okay. a paper towel or it's an old use... ROR? Yeah, if you use a paper okay. towel, it, it kind of runs smoother. You, you can apply a little bit more pressure, and you feel the lumps a little bit easier. I did that the first year. and um, You know, what's funny about palpating, I love it. Super satisfying and rewarding to be able to feel it. But what's crazy right? about palpating <laughs> is, can you believe there's still some people out there that think that palpating is not a thing? Show them the I, video. I think it's a lot easier than trying to get a, a retic to sit long enough for an ultrasound unless you're Lori oh, Torini and right? have worked with every single one of your animals to a point Right, unless you can station. target train them up to a table and they lay there. Yeah. Like, but no, I mean, yeah, I talked to people like as recent as like a few months ago that are like, I don't think palpating is a real thing. Like I've been trying to do it and blah, blah. Hey, and that That's a total lie. If it weren't for palpating, I wouldn't be successful in the couple clutches that I've produced. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, just show I, them I the, know the where video. my females were at. Show them that video of, of me with my finger, like jumping over the, the, the freaking fall. That was, that was pretty, that was a, an intense example. That was a really good video of palpating. Um, <laughs> what, what's, here's the thing is I can't palpate my turn eight females. My turn eight females typically spicy? when when I put them, I they mean, they just not... stiffen up on you. No, they uh... will. So like when I have them out, they're totally okay. But like as I'm putting them back in, specifically Zoom. with my turn eight females, I have to back up, and I I don't touch them once they're going in because if you touch them and they're going in, they'll turn around food response and come after you. Oh, so wow. I don't I don't I don't yeah. First, it's both of my it's all three of my turn eights. If you put them back in their enclosure and they're far enough in, but you're still making contact and they, mm -hmm. they notice your heat signal. You'll just see them turn their head right at you and just like mean mug you. Do they do the ready. little tail wrap thing where they anchor yeah. and then try They'll to circle try, back? I mean, they will. I don't let them anymore. I learned my lessons. <laughs> um, yeah. I've learned my lesson a couple times. With do that, you, but yeah, you no. have a Philippine female, right? Yeah. Will she do the same thing? No, she's a sweetheart. Okay. Yeah, no, the Philippine. I, I'm I'm blown away by how well dispositioned the the F1 Philippines I have are. Well, Phil Phil was amazing, but that was the only one I got to interact with. Yeah, what was the other one was in Shen, I think. I don't know. I don't yeah, really like. I, her. I, I don't wife, know. My that. wife named her. Her name is Willow. Yeah, that was. A, I only I only had like what 30, 45 minutes. I could sit there, and I was already sick on top of it. So yeah. Anyways, on top of all that, Kagan, I know you've been building out your uh, bioactive. I've been really slacking on mine. Let's, let's oh my get into that. Oh, let's geez. let's talk Nathan, about how your I, snakes I are. I always forget that you're supposed to build the damn bioactive, dude. You know, 
<laughs> timing hasn't been right. And uh, maybe once our giveaway and everything is over, maybe I'll be able to start investing into that. But we'll, we'll see. Yeah. So yeah. I, I've had an absolute blast uh, of building this naturalistic bioactive enclosure. Um, I had a spare three foot by, I think it's like three foot by three foot by three foot, or no, it's, it's 36 by 24 by 24 um, black box enclosure. And it's got a really deep substrate dam. And I knew, <laughs> I knew oh, from oh, the beginning, sorry. yeah, I knew from the beginning that I wanted to try and build something in here. And so I have been given a couple of smaller exoterras in the past that already had um, naturalistic like spray foamed uh, walls and stuff like that in there. The, and these I are animal to... plastic enclosures, if I'm not mistaken. No, black box. This is black oh, box. Oh, they look almost identical to my AP cages that are behind me right here. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a very nice enclosure. I love how deep it is. I love how tall it is. And it gave me that opportunity to build many levels in it. Um, but one thing I wanted to do, to do differently with this was I wanted to make it so that if I ever decided to break this down. snake, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like I'm looking at the enclosure. I thought the snake was a damn stick. <laughs> if I ever want to break it down. I built it on a shower liner. So instead of spraying the spray foam directly onto the PVC, it's on a shower liner. And I sealed the very, very edges with black silicone. So if I ever want to take this out, all I have to do is run a knife along the black silicone, lift the lid off, and literally lift the entire thing out. And it'll come out in one piece. Oh, that's actually pretty nifty. Yeah. Um, so... I have been saving styrofoam for years, for years. Every time that I get a weird miscellaneous appliance with a strangely shaped styrofoam bit inside, I save it because I'm like, you know what? One day, one day I'm going to build this. So on another podcast, so I've got this built on another podcast. I heard one person give the advice of before you add your flora and fauna into the enclosure. Um, so like your plants and your bugs, let the snake go in first and see where the snake really prefers to go. The path, paths that it chooses to take and the roads most traveled, right? So that way you can choose to plant around that and kind of try and help avoid the high traffic areas so that maybe the snake isn't going to trample the plants as much. So this is a picture of... Um, my golden child cow, possible platinum. She's been hanging out in it a couple days for me, um, showing me all the places she loves to go around. She really likes traversing in that upper right-hand corner and sitting on that little shelf. She really loves going around the ledges. Um, but she's also showing me the places that she doesn't prefer to slither across. And that's where I'm going to be planting those plants in the hopes that she doesn't absolutely just destroy them. And uh, I, I think at her size, you should be good anyways, unless you're planting some like very dainty, delicate. I have a fern and I'm very concerned for that fern. <laughs> We're going to yeah. see. I'm going to give it a shot. We're going to see. Um, but, but I'm really stoked for it. And it's, it's been so much fun. And adding the bugs is only going to make it that much more fun because... <laughs> Oh my gosh, I can't well, wait just, to see little isopods. It, it, <laughs> it's uh, it's a lot of fun and what oh that's cute. Right? Her little moss perch. Look at her. How how long have you had her now? 
since August. Okay. So come That's on. That's a great picture. Yeah. Oh to, oh, to be a snake perched right. on a moss pillow. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I will say like the isopods and, and, you know, putting all that in there is a lot of fun. I, I was kind of bummed that they stay under the dirt so much, but that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I have to dig if I want to find any of my friends in there. Really? Well, that, that actually gives me some hope because at some point I would really love to do a bioactive enclosure for my Hamahara geckos. And my biggest concern is that they're just going to go ham wild on eating the isopods. So maybe if I give them enough leaf litter and uh, places to hide, maybe they'll have a chance. Ooh, I have a big concern that I don't know if has ever been talked about all too much. Um, in the summer, and I don't know if you guys and your clients deal with this, but uh, earwigs, do you get those in your house in the summer, spring? Yes. So I actually brought this up in in the bioactive uh, channel of the Discord. Ooh, I'm so sad I missed this. On whether or not people use earwigs or not, because I was, I was trying to find this out. Apparently... Um, I found a, a post from a while ago on the bio dude. Apparently the bio dude uses earwigs in some of his enclosures. And so I'm trying to figure out whether I or not. I personally I'm hate them. I, oh no, they're awful. I didn't I, think that they bit and they. Have you been, right. yeah. Have you been pinched by one? I have, I have bled. It is not fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, like not. it is very uncomfortable. I, I, I like, have a very, big disdain for earwigs here in this like, household. Surely, surely these little pictures. That's, that's one of my concerns with doing bioactive though, is just like having a, an earwig colony that pops up in, in the substrate randomly. Yeah. Oh no, that, that definitely, yeah, that would suck. No, I, I grew up in Florida. There are earwigs. Every time you flip a rock, you see four of them just kind of move around but no they I, live I, I, deep in the dirt and do. like it, i don't think it's super easy to eradicate them unless you totally like restart mm-hmm. yeah i haven't um i i to my knowledge have not come across any uh, um here in texas i can't remember yeah so i was actually so um briefly talking with adler about this and the fact that uh they really have gravitated toward this one corner in the, the upper top right corner. is that where the ventilation is on one on one side yeah but it's also on the other side with that main perches and where the uh the heat element is um they just really love going in that that little nook and cranny and adler was like well they they live in cave systems i mean it makes sense that they would want to find that little yeah. you know that little crevice and, and so it's, it's also been really fun because I'm going to take notes and remember what the animals really prefer and favor from this build and, and apply it to my next build. I mean, I can't wait to do another. And I think eventually what I would really, really love to do is have uh, three or four of these that I can just rotate animals around in. That way, you know, they, they live in it for one or two, three months, whatever, until they get very knowledgeable about the environment and then switch it up and throw them into another one. And then they have an entire new world to explore and discover. And maybe it smells like another snake and Ooh, that's interesting. That's a whole nother enrichment for them. So I'm excited for it. I'm super stoked for it. It's been really, really fun. Yeah. Um, that's a great idea. 
I, I've, I know I've talked. I know I've talked about like in the future, like when I, I you know, I get some property, I want to, you know, build like a two thousand square foot area, and I want to build like a four hundred. In that two thousand, build like a four hundred square foot walk-in, and just cycle females into mm-hmm. there. Um, so that this like doing that in a smaller scale for the smaller animals is like, yeah, that's actually a great idea. I never thought of that. Lucas, can you find the snake in this one? I do right there <laughs> in, in, in the hole. Um, come on, on the other one, it literally looked like one of the sticks on the ground. I feel like it's more hidden in this one. There was so much contrast on the first one. <laughs> so, yeah. so in this one, the plants are still in pots, but I'm testing out the placement just to see: does the fern get absolutely demolished <laughs> if it's in this corner? Okay. With my tree monitors, like when I finally get my cage, my my thought was kind of backwards from this actually just like mm-hmm. plant and root everything out as good as possible. And then like maybe, you know, six to eight months, maybe a year down the line, then start adding animals. Well, so what's going to happen next is I'm going to take the animal out and actually plant the plants in it and then probably let the plants establish We'll see how long I can last. I mean, I, I really love watching these animals in this cage. But it's the, so honestly, amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. It's yeah, so it's freaking great, cool. It, it's I mean, she has explored every single stick and branch, and, and she's actually found a way to wrap herself around the tree and just perch up on the tree, even though there's no limbs up there for her to technically be able to hang on to, she's figured out a way. And that's been so cool. So we'll see how much restraint I have to actually let these plants get established and, and have a true chance of, of surviving the retic assault. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Give it a few meals. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's been really incredible. And, and I, I already want to build more. Like I'm like, I have more styrofoam. I'm ready to go. <laughs> hoarding styrofoam over here yes it, it paid off okay? okay so since i'm already screen sharing i know i have one more picture but it has nothing to do with your bioactives let's run it it has all to do with a, a special aztec project so that one is actually not the aztec project or, or sorry sorry uh let let's see this is this is a tiger anthrax yeah. with the influence of hets from genetic stripe anthrax and albino. Wow, I, I couldn't have been further from wrong or further <laughs> from right. Wow. <laughs> I saw on this roll, animal. Keep speaking. <laughs> hey, I'm going to shut up. Kagan, take it away, please. You're on a 30 second Absolutely. mute timeout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lucas, please help me out here. So I saw this animal the other day on the Retic Nation. Oh, and I just animal. immediately was like holy cow this is just a tiger with the influence of hets like this this has blown my mind and has really just flipped this little switch in my mind to where i'm like oh man maybe my future breeding should be you know now i want to experiment with pairing a genetic stripe to my platinum anthrax girl and and seeing what the babies look like because if this is just the influence of hets like I want to see all the variety that can come out of that. And I want to see more people do that too. I, that's what right. I've been saying, especially with the your super, granite back clutch. Yeah. Especially with the super dwarf granite backs. Like I don't get why people aren't trying to do that more. 
um, the Superdorf granite backs have better marbling powder than marbles that I've seen. And um, that is literally yeah, your 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 granite backs that I got to see when I was in San Antonio were phenomenal. Yeah. So I mean, that right there is the literal like it's got the granite back broken up pixelated pattern. Mm-hmm. It's got the stripe coming from the genetic stripe. It's literally like I'm looking at that animal, and you guys might not agree with me. I think it's an ugly retake. I just think it's so incredibly fascinating. It is so incredibly fascinating. Lucas, canceled. No, canceled. I, I, I love, I love uh, the animal because uh, it is a crazy example of how the double heterozygous form is is being expressed, and therefore, it's a cool retake. Is, is it here in the U.S.? Um, probably. I'm not sure. I'm Hopefully. not like Hopefully familiar not, with or else uh, I'm probably Kevin. Get more hate mail. <laughs> he, I, I, I hate to agree with him, Kagan, but I mean it's a heavily tiger influenced animal, and I'm it, maybe it's just because I'm tiger heavy here. But fellas, my heart it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> like we'll see. Said. Okay, this is what I love so much about reticulated pythons and what is so great about them is there's something for everything this animal i would buy this animal in an instant because i think this animal is gorgeous i think the het influences are beautiful but you guys are like no i'm good i wouldn't buy that animal but i'm like yes i would you know so that's that's what's so cool about it is is that there's something for everybody it's not the hets though it's the it's the codom it is the tiger that's that's helping stripe it out but but Anthrax definitely pulls in uh, the side rosettes a little bit. Genetic stripe or het genetic stripe pulls in those side rosettes a little bit. I mean, I don't know, guys. I don't know. Nathan, you don't like tiger? Oh, I, I, oh. I love oh. tiger. <laughs> okay. I, it, it's just, it, it's hard to breed with, I would say. Yeah. I don't love the the option of doing Super Tiger. No. Yeah, I agree with that. So, like, I don't love having it very heavy in my collection. And luckily, with what I'm trying to breed this year, it's just one layer. Um, but I don't, like, beyond the, the complications I would have running my original holdbacks together with... Uh, uh, golden child um I, I don't think i would run them just because of super tiger as well oh i've i've absolutely changed uh some of my breeding plans for the future because i uh my, my second clutch ever had uh the potential for super tiger in it and i just immediately after that clutch i i think we talked about it in the last tiktok i didn't like how the animals behaved. You know, I, I don't like some of the mannerisms that can develop, can not always, but can develop from, from, ha- from being super tiger and the excessive pushing that, that, you know, it can carry. And so I, I really don't want to produce more super tigers. And uh, there was this, there's a one, I have an Annery tiger, 25% Kalatoa, 25% Jamp Girl that I was originally going to pair to my Purple Snow Motley Tiger 50% Cal, 12.5% Jamp Male that now I'm like, I'm never going to pair these because I don't want to make Super Tigers. The only Super Tiger that I plan to ever make is I'm holding back a pair of my t- uh, 
at your head ocelots, Posset and Docarmel. Okay. I well, guess. you get a pass for that one. Ocelot looks like. Uh, I'll 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 take that too. I'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't I'm, know. I'm it's probably, just if I can avoid. Disappointed. Don't get me wrong, because I agree with all of you. I'm not a super tiger fan, but tiger ocelots are badass, and I wonder what it would look like striped. I, don't get me wrong either. Like I produced some of my favorite tigers this year off the Phantom Tiger Clutch, but uh, I'm gonna run back that uh, Golden Child Platinum uh, Sunfire Tiger Clutch uh, yeah. with a different female this time and. You know, I'm. I know I'm gonna have you know a handful of tigers in that clutch if I end up going this year. But you need to I'm, I'm glad that I'm not doing a super tiger. Year. Huh? You need to do that same pairing that you did that first year, and I need you to make another Henry Golden Child. I I could do it with the purple, but I really just want to give her a year off, and the Henry is looking more poised to go this year and produce a really nice, healthy clutch. Yeah. So that's what I'm basing it off of. And who knows if this male will even go. I mean, he's just two. Uh, yeah, at that point, I think age is there. Just it's size, if it's a thing. Yeah, this I, dude? I think he, he's not very like thick, but he he's he's long enough. He's old this, enough. This little he'll homie get, right here, he's producing sperm plugs. Down. Here, I, so I need I, to get out a, of this because we've we've talked about this animal a, long enough. Lucas, yeah, switch have... us back before I uh, end screen. Okay, hold up. Let me see where we're at. Play producer a little bit here, please. There we go. Help help right. a brother so, out. So I have a um man. Now I forgot what. I, oh, um, I have a theory that <laughs> just because a male produces splurm, 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 splurm plugs, uh, <laughs> doesn't does mean that the sperm is viable for a healthy clutch. Yeah. I don't know how valid that is, but I, I feel that, you know, because I will say, this, uh, I have, hold on, I have a wild caught Kalatoa male. The, the child in me is saying yeah. different. I mean, I have a. <laughs> I have a wild caught male in my garage that drops sperm plugs every single time. Like, every you guys suck, Kagan. <laughs> Lucas, we need to have Kagan on more. She appreciates my jokes. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'll wait. Lucas, keep going. Be philosophical and all that BS. Go. <laughs> I was just going to say, I got a wild caught male in my garage that dropped sperm plugs every freaking two days. And he hasn't sired a clutch successfully ever. Is that the one from Glenn, though? Yeah. Yeah. that I think that guy's just not fertile. I think that guy's... But that's you're you're that's, saying that's, slow that's, swimmers run in the family. Yeah, that's... that's. I'm, I'm just saying that, like, it's possible. Just because it's producing sperm plugs doesn't mean it's viable. And I feel like a, a, you know, a young male could potentially produce sperm plugs, but that sperm be... Yeah, it's slow swimmers. I mean, I've had... Um, so, one of my 
recent-ish in the last couple of years seasons breeding ball pythons. I had a male that first started producing sperm plugs at about 600 grams, which is, you know, pretty small guy. I think they, you know, it's kind of average six, seven, 800 grams. And, uh, wait, are these ball pythons? That example is a ball python. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say who weighs a retakes? Nobody, nobody. Um, but he sired his first clutch, like a month after I figured out that he was producing sperm plugs. Oh yeah. I don't doubt it at all. Um, yeah, I mean, like my ocelot bred at twelve months old, so yeah. you know, I, they can definitely go young and small. I would say that like four and a half, five foot is definitely a cutoff for at least mainland, from my experience. Um, yeah, I, I mean, my male, I would say at least is four and a half, five foot, but he's a, you know, small parents and fifty percent super dwarf, eighteen. 0.75% dwarf, I believe, or yeah, I, I think that's his percentage. Yeah, my, my, head. my F1 Kalatoa male is turning two in February, but he's only about three and a half feet, so he's <clears> probably got another eight months of like, like solid feeding if I was trying to get him like to, to breed, but that's where I was with the, the Phantom Tiger the, the year before he successfully bred, like he almost had the size to him, but he was like just under that two mark and he now just needed a little bit more time. Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, it's it's interesting and crazy. The uh, And, you know, I haven't bred a young Superdorf male before, so, you know, maybe someone can drop some comments and, and let us know. But um, it's crazy just how young a mainland can breed. Um I don't know. I, I couldn't even guess or tell you off the top of my head who, you know, what's the smallest male Superdorf that's ever, you know, bred. But um, I don't know. For me, it's more of a, regardless, I think it's more of like a length thing, like four and a half, five feet is like a minimum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've definitely seen like 11th month old mainland males going for it, just making it happen. Yep. And then, you know, it, it seems to definitely take pure super dwarf or high percentage super dwarf stuff longer. Kagan, I'm trying to pull up your image that you sent with all your notes. <clears throat> a topic on there that I wanted to hit. Is it just the, uh, uh, for the, for the record? I let Lucas get away with one there. I'm sure everyone in the comments will uh, have something to say about that. I'll pull up the notes. Get that really tally. Quick. Lucas won. Kagan won. Boom. No, it, no, it wasn't a it wasn't it was, a muting it, issue. It was a it was a length comment. It was a length. Con- Damn, I missed it. Comment. Shit. Um, <laughs> I'm mad. <laughs> Kagan appreciates my jokes. Lucas knows when they are. They, he just doesn't appreciate them. So you, I should have known when I looked up and both y'all were grinning like preschoolers. I should have known. I just, I just tried to keep rolling with it. but I, I knew. Maybe it's just a guy thing. I don't know. Um, you, you wanted to bring up uh, your rodent business. No, I feel like we need to like I feel oh, like we oh. can have I feel like we can have her on to do an entire thing about rodents. Okay, that's fair. We need to do a rodent that, episode that, anyway. That, 
that needs to that's like a whole episode that we can do okay Um, so kagan lead us off with uh in the retic community who's someone that you've been kind of checking out recently and someone that you feel as you know coming up notable um so one person that i've been <laughs> don't you tail twist on my head sir uh-uh. somebody that i've been following uh closely on instagram recently um they've got the username ram retics and yeah, I've seen they that. have a ton of in the absolutely gorgeous animals i mean just really really stellar examples of each morph that they've got going on and they have been advertising um a pairing that that he's been doing recently is aztec to ocelot and i am so stoked for that like i i cannot wait to see as ocelot as what would we call that uh ocelot (laughs) man that's a hard one as toss a lot. As toss a lot. Come up but, with something better, Lucas. I'll wait. All right, let's keep talking, Kagan. Ass a lot. There we go. There it is. <laughs> Ass a lot. Um, I think the babies are just going to be stellar. Like an Aztec with the het influence of an ocelot, especially with the quality that he's already got going on, really bright and gorgeous uh, side pattern or side color with really well-defined blacks. I mean, it's just those offspring. I I cannot in wait. In five years, we'll see, you know, if that pairing's successful. In five years, we'll see what that can produce. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested to see how the double visual is. I've always thought of that in the back of my head of whether I'd like to debate about doing that or not because of I'm conflicted. I think that it has potential to be amazing. And I also think it has potential for each of those individuals to look better than the combination of the two. Well, he he and I were talking the other day because one project that I'm working towards is um, Anthrax Ocelot. And that's either going to be just a kind of it's either going to be a funky looking anthrax or it's going to be mind-blowing okay but i'm pursuing it anyways you know (laughs) yeah i feel like anthrax is a very strong visual recessive it's strong it's dominating but what did we all think about tiger that it was absolutely going to overshadow what almost has me second guessing about uh wow you got this. Nope. Anthrax. <laughs> Time out. I, I hate you both. Uh, Time out. All right. Lucas, step in. Ref, what do you got to say? This is this is Nathan right now. You gotta hold I should be still sharing my screen. You would see it much clearer. Are you talking about the snake on the top? I, I, I... Yes. <laughs> Lee, 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 Lee. <laughs> um, what do you? What, you were talking about anthrax and tiger. An- no. Anthrax being like a dominant head. No, anthrax is a a very just like it takes a lot. Oh, so you're saying yeah, how tiger kind of drastically changed anthrax? Yeah, and I'm saying that's what kind of has me double guessing 
wanting to add anthrax as much as I do. If, if I mean, my thing is like the people, like if you're an anthrax person and you love it, you got to love it for the dark color and what that dark color does for albinos. Like mm-hmm. that's just got to be the thing. It's and the eyes for me. Yeah, that too, of course. I think if nothing else, even if um, anthrax ocelot ends up being a bust, what I'm really hoping is that the ocelot will help intensify those silvers in the anthrax and just make it really, really gorgeous. Because what I'd really like to end up with is a mocha or a mochino anthrax ocelot. And I think that with like the really, really high silvers is, is going to be pretty. Yeah, Hopefully I would just, I mean, <laughs> even if an anthrax ocelot was just like a black and silver snake, that mm-hmm. would still be badass. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean silver like how there's some like silver on some of the anthraxes. I'm talking about like ocelot silver, like the shit right. that's blue. That's what I mean is uh, imagine, imagine like the pattern of an anthrax but just silver like an ocelot. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's got potential. Yeah. Cross but my just, fingers. <laughs> yeah. Just like any new not done before, it's you know, hit or miss. Hopefully mm-hmm. hopefully we knock it out of the park. What about you guys? I mean, anybody that's really stood out to you in, in the retic community lately? Anybody that's doing things that you're keeping your <laughs> keeping your eyes on or just uh one one of my uh buyers this year i oh i really wish i would i i could pick out the animal they bought just uh right off the top of my head i believe it was a phantom tiger uh but new age herpticulture they've just been going big with the enclosures the enrichment that kind of thing mm-hmm. so uh new age herpticulture on instagram i i think they've been doing some cool stuff for just building a collection right now nice new age herpiculture i'm gonna have to check that out yeah i'm pulling them up right now it's ringing a bill but anyways um as far as for me i i'm I'm trying to i'm drawing a blank on their name but they are extremely philanthropic and they're giving away free retake soon um i've been keeping an eye on on them they're doing great things um and then outside of that um, you I can't got really the little halo on your head Lucas. right now. I, I don't know. I mean, to be honest, I I historically have spent so much time on social media and I have found that I'm doing that a lot less. So I can't really um I can't pin anybody off the top of my head right now. I mean I appreciate everyone that I'm following and what I see. I do like a lot of what I'm seeing. Um but yeah, I can't tell you. I'll, I'll get back to you if it comes up. Um, All right. Well, uh, while while you uh, do that, I'm gonna share that. All right. So that is uh, the phantom tiger that I sent out to New Age Herb to Culture. There's them on Instagram, and then uh, you know you just sent, stuff like sent, this. You sent that just that big out. that big perch. Is and... that just phantom tiger? Uh, that's Phantom Tiger Poss Het Annery. Not, there's not, no, not that there's one. No uh, oh, there's a Head Albino in there too. Hold on, no, no, no. That, uh, here, wait, let me go back. The perch, but um, 
this was the one I sent to him. So this one's a hundred percent albino or head albino. Wow. That thing is bright, light and beautiful. That thing colored up like crazy. Yeah. That's yeah. That, that, that baby was just a a killer animal. I'm, I'm super happy. It went to a home like this. Yeah, for sure. I like what they're doing with the branches. Yeah. The branches are cool. I mean, look, I mean, naturalistic enclosures they're really trying to do everything nice so it, it's it's just cool and they have they have a cool variety like a little rhino rat here cool. yeah just a very eclectic collection they're not just retic people so you know it's kind of the the pinnacle of what you hope your your animals go to like a home like that that's what I'd really love to work towards getting a lot of my enclosures looking like is Jeez, either Nathan? naturalistic or bioactive. <laughs> I personally like it when our faces are bigger, but that's, that's just me. Um, <laughs> Kagan's got a big head. Nathan, at least it's not shiny. Whoa. <laughs> like it. I love this. Wow. <laughs> bald right. is beautiful. Gonna, said you're, only you're bald right. We're going to have her on more often. I prefer bald. I'll just, I'll be honest. I like it. I dig it. It's where, my jam. Where, where do you live, Kagan? Maybe it's time to relocate. <laughs> Georgia, it's fucking cold here too. Welcome. <laughs> hey, hey, Salt Lake's pretty cold. I'm used to it. <laughs> but speaking of naturalistic and all of these ways to enrich your animal's life, with it being cold outside right now and the fact that we can't bring our animals out to let them kind of, you know, get that enrichment for being outside. Is there anything you guys are doing at the moment to kind of help curb that need for, for enrichment? Uh, not curb I, that need for enrichment, but you know, help that out. Maybe not totally planned, but I I've been having more friends over at the house. And, you know, that's always a good opportunity to get the animals out. Uh, Last weekend, I had a buddy of mine from New York. He's actually a stand-up comedian, sir. Or, uh, sorry. You're muted. Myself. Uh, Sergio Chacon, uh, buddy of mine from uh, New York. He's a stand-up comedian. He was out here. Uh, If anyone knows me long enough, they know I'm a big stand-up nerd. And this is someone I want to get on the podcast eventually, but I uh, got to strategize a little bit. Uh, but he came over before his stand-up set, uh, opening up for Chris Stefano and got to hang out with the retics. He, he has a berm at home. He has boas and uh, oh, just nice. a few other colubrids. So, uh, you know, it was, it's just cool to get people over here and just handling the animals and get them climbing around and, you know, have other people get their hands on them instead of me. Was that his first time ever holding a reticulated python? Uh, that I'm not totally sure of, but he, uh, it, it's a possibility. I'd be really interested just to see, like, since he already has a berm and a boa, kind of how that experience was for him in terms of, you know, better. comparing contrast. Better. Better. Just mm. better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, We'll, we'll we'll all talk together. I, I want to talk about how we we can make this episode work in a in a good way. But I, I would love to have Sergio on at some point because, uh, you know, he's just just a fun dude to hang out with. Uh, 
really funny comic and uh you know someone who's introducing snakes more into the mainstream he uh brought his snakes on to a podcast called hey babe with uh uh that comic he opened up with chris DiStefano and uh one of the impractical jokers uh yeah. sal volcano that's freaking awesome i bet it would be a blast to have yeah, I, I think i think it would be really fun we, I mean, we've literally talked about this for like the better part of like, I don't know, almost a year now. We we have. And I know for sure he would do it, but th- it's time. Yeah, I, I want to talk to you, Kagan. I would love to get your uh, opinions on everything, too. But uh, yeah, I think just, you know, a little bit of uh, B- BTS at the end of the episode. Okay. He just yawned and breathed in my ear and went. And I was like, <laughs> I, I heard it. That that's what that was. Yeah, it scared me. He's about to go into a shed, I bet, with a breath like that. He's sizing oh. you up. Oh, he's sizing me up, buddy. Um, I think as far as enrichment goes for me, uh, so I've had someone else come over to help me and Sean, who just kind of like wants to see. Pause. Is is this the one that helped pull your turnate clutch? Okay. No, that was Casey. Um, but no, this dude, his name is James. He's local here and uh, really good dude. He has hognose ball pythons, um, maybe one or two other species, but he's uh, about a year ago, like kind of discovered retics. And well, I mean, he's liked retics for a while, but you know, then the Superdorf stuff. And then he also, um, he, he was actually saying like he, he kind of wants a mainland, like he wants a big snake that he could house well but he was um he's been coming over and so what's really cool is now that there's sometimes three of us in there when we're cleaning a snake's enclosure you know we don't have to put them in a tub anymore like we can just hold it spend time with it um and uh you know one thing that i'll be very open and and frank about uh is when your collection starts to get you know up and you know especially if you're just keeping retakes uh, and then you have hatchlings as well. Like your your free time to really like handle and love and enjoy these animals the way that we all still do. But you know, time is obviously there's only so much in a day. Um, you get away from that, and so it's been really cool to be able to just take the animals out and interact with them, work with them, and not have to put them in a tub while we're cleaning. And it's that that's kind of been the enrichment right now while it's kind of cold outside and. Uh, you know, it's still not terrible here. Like it's like 72 during the day, but I'm working when it's 72. Um, amazing. but yeah, I mean, it's getting down to like 35 at night and like 70 during the day. And I just, when I'm working, it's when it's nice out. Keep complaining, please. I'm getting down to mid twenties during the day. And if I'm lucky, 40, 45. And the worst inversion in the country. So on top of the cold, you can't breathe because the air is soup. It's soup. What's soup I can't air? see the mountains that are three miles from me. <laughs> That's miserable. Honestly, I like cold, man. So, I, Lucas. I'm jealous. It's so cold in Texas. Oh, no. Oh, no, it's crazy. not. I'm saying, I was actually making the argument that it's still decent enough if I wasn't working. <laughs> If you weren't working, um, yeah, it's, I'm so still I, biking in this 45 degree weather. 
I'm like, oh, oh 45, a great day. Let's go outside. Um, I recently started taking out some of the perches out of the hatchling rack, and I'm putting like two hides in there, and I want to get into the habit of like rotating those out frequently. Even so, just changing where they're at in the tub, I feel like can go a, a little bit of a long way. Yeah. 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 Um, That's what I'm so excited to eventually have all of these bioactive enclosures going is watching them explore the different environments. And so with this cage, I currently actually have it in my in my living room versus all of my others are in my reptile room. And so this cow is suddenly getting a lot more attention because she's right in front of me. You know, as soon as she if, if I'm sitting there watching TV or, or I just come home from the gym, you know, she's right up at the glass looking at me like, hey, mom, take me out. That's and I'm like, awesome. OK. Let's do it. And that's been really fun. Um, but what were you going to say, Lucas? No, finish your statement. I was going <laughs> to say another thing that I'm doing to, to add enrichment. I was about to also subject change to another thing that I'm doing. So you go first. I want to hear you yeah. first. So I originally was just target training two retakes, and we've kind of expanded it to like six. So we're, we're, we're target training quite a few of them, and choice-based cool. choice handling is something that I've stepped up to as well. So, yeah. um, And then, of course, I'm always going to advocate that feeding your retakes is the most stimulating thing for them. So I'm doing that, mm -hmm. doing that when they eat. <laughs> and I'll tie this in with naturalistic and target training. Did you move the tiger back into the naturalistic enclosure that I sent you? And then are you still target training? Is she, you know, yeah, I'm, how is she working on target training with her? She's actually doing really well, but I will say that, um, she's not as disciplined as she was. It's funny. You can even ask Sean about this. I opened up the tub and you know, she literally just lunched out and bit the tub, like that curve on the tub and literally was just yeah. gnawing at it back and forth and oh, wrapping yeah. it. <laughs> and so, so as she's, as she's doing that, I'm like waving the target. I'm like, Hey, get off of that. And then eventually she got off of it. She extended out and I gave it to her. Um, Remember this is Elise's animal. So, you know, keep on it. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, we're we're on it. She's a sweetheart. Um, we haven't moved her back in because after I treated the entire garage for um, mites and all that stuff with both of my bioactives, I'm just going to do a full clean out and just redo it all. So I'm waiting to me and Sean are actually going to go shopping for bioactive mm -hmm. stuff. That's yeah, because he's, he's going to make his Halmahera enclosure bioactive and uh, so we, we have, uh, and now in my large ARS rack, I have four that are open. So I'm going to buy enough to convert all four to bioactive. I feel like this is a really, really great time of year to go out and, and look for driftwood. I mean, I, I haven't actually talked to any of the bioactive experts about this, but I feel like it's a really great time of year because, you know, maybe there's not as many bugs on the pieces of, of wood and things that you might want to eventually put in enclosures as there would be in warmer months. Um, and I really, really enjoy going out to, you know, lakeside looking for driftwood and just cool sticks and rocks and stuff. Yeah. I think that now that I'm thinking about it, I need to start to look and find, I, I buy them from an awesome pet store nearby, but it racks up a pretty hefty price. 
I was gonna say I, I I thought maybe we could find a deal on Etsy, but even Etsy knows like hey aquariums and enclosures that's what people are using them for and they're, no, they're marking they're them expensive. up. Mm -hmm. Like I think I have two bioactive setups right now and or I call them naturalistic. I have two naturalistic setups right now and uh, in in those two naturalistic setups I have like two hundred dollars worth of wood. Which is ridiculous. Dude, most of my recent build, all of the styrofoam is stuff that I've just collected and saved. All of that driftwood is stuff that I went out and scavenged for. Most of that build was just free. Yeah, stop, <laughs> stop reinforcing our hoarders that are listening. <laughs> They're going to be like, I told you, Mom, I could keep this VHS from 1987. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh. If it has a purpose. I feel like Nathan right now is looking for driftwood on Etsy. He's like very... No, I, I was street. actually looking through Kagan's notes. Oh! <laughs> um, um, well, one thing that I... You been... have all your sheds to send in to get tested. Well, hang on. Before we get to that... Oh, oh sorry. Jumping one second. Because <laughs> I got to talk about my boxes that I'm hoarding right now, speaking of. So... Because I've been ordering Christmas presents off of Amazon and, and all the Amazon boxes that are currently coming to the house right now, one of the ways that I'm kind of helping supplement my animals enrichment is by putting the spare Amazon boxes into their enclosures. And, you know, if they pee in them, whatever, I can break it down, throw it away. But I have we, so we many. We covered this in our uh, hide episode, I believe, uh, yeah. Lucas. Yeah. I have so many right now that I can literally build like little corporate monopoly Amazon towers for you, my. You, you mean what we <laughs> already do for our cats when we get Amazon boxes? Yes. yes. We're doing this for our snakes. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm just making sure I'm picturing this right in my head. And my, my building female... little castles out of them so they can poke their head out of the tower. I have cut holes in them and stacked them on top of each other <laughs> and duct taped them down to where my snakes will just like coil through and then poke their head on the top like, hey, mom, and then go back in. It's, it's super I, cute to watch them. <laughs> I literally stopped buying cat trees because I just have empty boxes that they just like to play in instead. Oh, yeah. Why spend 120 bucks on a cat tree when they're more happy sitting inside of a box? Yeah, I mean, I think that don't don't make me get into cat husbandry. There's so much I want to do for my cats, dude. I've seen people that like literally have like a tunnel that goes through their like. Yeah, I, I want to do the whole wall setup right. eventually, but uh, like I said, let's let's not. We're the retic lounge. <laughs> I'm talking about cats, man. Cats are yeah, crazy. well, promote me a little bit more. <laughs> I'll promote you, Nathan. I love the fact that you were able to say, man, his sneeze kind of sounded like he's going into shed. He is going into shed. hundred <laughs> percent. Like that was, I, I was just like, my heart just stopped. That was the most beautiful thing I've it's ever It's the heard. only time you hear a retake breathe like that unless something's seriously wrong. No, your, snake, your snake has an Ido. Sorry. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, that was super cool. I was like, holy cow, man. He is in tune with the noises. I might not always sound like I know what I'm talking about, but <laughs> yeah, I've been around these animals long enough. Remember, listeners, we're not experts. Besides <laughs> I was going to say, we haven't reminded our listeners of that in 
probably long enough. Yeah, we're not. And at this point, it, like, it's too late into the episode anyway. Yeah, I was gonna. I mean, at this point, I feel like you know maybe everyone's it, already dropped off. Right. We're, six months down the road, our podcast might not even be about retakes. Who knows? Suddenly about cats. Right. Um, but jumping back to what you were about to change the topic to, Nathan, Rare Genetics Inc. and the Shed Skins. Yes, I yeah. have officially, I have they, officially they, now collected. They, hold on, are they? Well, shed skins? and this this isn't even just us. This is an international collaboration. What's a shed skin through the Retic Lounge? What do you mean? What is a shed? What's a shed skin? Shedding their skin. They don't have skin. Oh my! What is God. a shed skin? We're getting into the technicalities of it. Okay. Anyways, I, I did shed. rudely interrupt how excited I have a bag that. full of examples, Lucas. <laughs> Do you want to know what a shed skin is? <laughs> Boom. Nathan got my back. Look at that. Right there. <laughs> I have officially. Yes. Yes. Dropping that <laughs> mic. <laughs> All right, you two go for it. Have fun. I have officially collected 21 sheds from all of the retics that I have in my reptile room, and I'm ready to send them in to Rare Genetics, Inc. And the ones that I mostly have, they, they focus a lot on uh, anthrax stuff, um, a handful of ocelot stuff, and the other stuff is snow stuff or anery het snow stuff. But... I'm super, super excited to finally be able to contribute to that. I'm, I'm really, really excited for that. We need to get, man, we need to really like come together as like the retake industry right now, like can't get together to save their life. But I'm seeing more of a push can. for it. I hope so, man. Because hey, I, I have to, I have to shout out Chris McVicker. He's, he was pushing it on the retake roundtable of, you know, sending yeah. in his retake shed. So, you know, it becomes more of a ball Python standard where we don't have to guess against pos hats anymore. Mm-hmm. And, I think that you know, really I'm, I, that bag that I have is saved from years ago, but it has a ton of, you know, het albino, het anery stuff that is going to be at least somewhat useful. And then the stuff that I'm still collecting, I'm labeling on its own and, you know, Hopefully that's able to narrow it down even a little bit more. You know what I'm really, really hoping for is that my they're going to be able to tell me if my girl from you, Lucas, is truly het for endo caramel. And she's she's 100% het ocelot, but she's pos het caramel. And I hope that they'll be able to say, yeah, or no. That, that's a project I haven't gotten into because the, the one breeding that was proposed to me, like it was either albino or endo caramel. And I was like, I just don't like making albinos is super fun. Don't get me wrong. But like, I want to try to go for that endo caramel stuff. Yeah. I don't mm -hmm. like the either or stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why like, I mean, I'm getting out of Morse in general for the most part anyways, but if I was not like, I wouldn't mind producing orange glows but I am not using an orange glow as a breeder um, because it throws the, you know, this or, or that, like you don't know. I don't, I don't Unless know you're pairing it to questions. another visual albino. Yeah. 
So that's yeah, when exactly. you start talking right, to Chris about the titanium it. project. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that project is I'm so surprised. I'll sleep on het titanium. That stuff looks so It looks good. so good. It looks so throw good. Some, citron stuff throw is some really respect cool. Respect on that. That is citron, okay? Sit Listen, I write on my tags het tit, okay? It's <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Hep for tit. Hep for tit. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, again, to advocate, people send in your sheds, especially, you know, for doesn't matter what there. project you're working on, honestly. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Even if it's Clark Strain, you know. Just build the database. Exactly. Yeah, we need to get it there. And, um, you know, because I would like if in like three and a half years, when I'm pairing up these head ocelot posset endos that I have, same as Kagan, that, you know, if I can know for sure if they are, you know, head endo or not, that would mm-hmm. be a whole game changer. Well, and I want to get back to the international issue. Like Luke from our, our Patreon, he's been collecting sheds and then he's also been reaching out to prominent breeders out in the UK to try to collect sheds from them to send over to rare genetics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So getting people, we just need more of that collaboration besides within our little Patreon community, like the, the retaking industry in general just needs to get behind this and just, you know, make everything easier on everyone. Yeah. What I have seen more often though, is if I see a Facebook post where somebody is, Hey, is this, does this <clears throat> look anery or not? Mm-hmm. You know, one out of three or four times, I'll see somebody in the comments mention, hey, send in a shed skin and find out. So it's becoming more of a prominent thing that people are thinking about. Which I weird. haven't seen any of those comments yet, but that's no? encouraging that you have. Yeah. 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 I definitely have. Anery is something that we really need to genetically figure oh, out. Oh, yeah. The, the, 100%. The stuff out there being called anery is some of it is just i have one in my collection that i haven't proved out yet but i like night and day i guarantee you that animal's anery yeah i mean it's pretty like pretty substantial i've just seen posts and pictures of people posting no i've seen it's got more orange than yeah you know donald trump's tan (laughs) (laughs) all right well i started off uh the vibe pretty well tonight apparently because it's sticking (laughs) Just say, like, I just like, I I don't know how you can call something anery when there's literally oh, so much orange in it, but sorry. Tying that in to the video that Nathan sent prior <laughs> to recording this episode is just really good. Maybe that's why it came out. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> I, I, think, I think we should wrap up on that. I feel like I want to... Well, well, Kagan had three pages of notes is there anything else you want to hit on to wrap us up tonight kagan i mean if we're really wanting to save the rodent yeah let's save the rodent thing because that can easily be an episode in itself i have so many questions i think that's it other than i mean other than for the first time ever i had to throw out a prey item for the first time ever because I'm For talking the first about time, I, even with my small collection, I've done that. Come on. No, I mean it's it's. I mean, it, I guess it's easier when you have more than six adult animals. 
I have a uh, black roughneck monitor that's just a garbage disposal vacuum. So anything that most of my animals refuse to eat, if it's small enough, it'll go to him. If it's big enough, it'll go to another retic. But this was a, a larger chicken that I went to offer my uh, one of my breeding females right now, the one that has the follicles that are looking really good. And I was thinking, okay, great. Let me, let me, you know, her follicles are, you know, developing. Let me give her one solid meal before, you know, maybe she goes into her pre-lay shed. And she's like, no fam, I'm good. I don't want that chicken. And I'm, I'm like, baby, you're the only one that can eat it. Please, please eat it. She's like, no, I'm good. So I ended oh, up having. You threw, okay. You threw it away for that reason. I was thinking yeah. in my head, like, I've gone to thaw out some rabbits before or I've gone to thaw out some feeders and then I'll go and later in the day, you know, check on them and I'll open up that bag and just be like, Oof. like it mm -mm. just like smells and reeks. Have you done no. that before, Nathan? Does that happen mm -hmm. to you? From the freezer? Is that what you said? Yeah. I'm just, you go to thaw out an animal and you open up the bag and it just, it's, uh, not a, it's not a good feeder. It smells like, I, I had shit. some, I had some feeders that went maybe like a little past the nine month mark. And then I could definitely tell they are freezer burnt, but like, I didn't try to thaw those out and feed those to my animals. I replaced them. No, I've, so I've thrown those out. I have some chickens in my freezer, but I'm debating giving those to, larger constrictor guys here in utah so uh, the only feeders i've really thrown out are just like refusals but most of my refusals now i have another animal that can take them well so I, um... for the past couple years in breeding and freezing my own feeders to feed back to my animals and i, I have not been wasteful at all i mean it's been a very very nice cycle of everything and so this was a really big kind of slapping the slapping the back of like you can't use this and now you can't eat it yourself either <laughs> yeah i so yeah. It, it made me feel pretty bad i've um yeah no i i haven't i mean i've had to throw them away like that but yeah i'm surprised you too that like i've gotten rabbits where like i've gotten them fresh you know fresh cold and stuck in my freezer and you know only maybe a couple months later went to go thaw them out and then i went to go open up the bag and it just completely <laughs> smelled just sure. with using different rabbit breeders, I guess there's been different like animals that just don't look up to my standards that I haven't used. Eh, yeah. No. I'm Do you think it could be something like stuff. that where it just like maybe even in the beginning wasn't up to your standards and it was just in your freezer? No, 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 no. I like I'm thinking of a specific instance, and it's happened a few other times. But I'm thinking of like one specific instance where I ordered rabbits from someone local that I always get rabbits from. They're good, um, and just yeah, this one rabbit for some reason just a sizable rabbit like had some age on it. Yeah, like four pounds. Oh wow! Yeah, no, big, I don't know. Big rabbit. It was from my Slayer. And didn't like have signs of like just you know. Who were pee on it? No, on the out. No, I know rabbit pee smells like shit. But, yeah, because I mean, when not... you're thawing out rabbits, especially that were like, you know, thawed, thawed in a condition where they pooed or peed at the end of their life cycle, like those can smell like no, a barnyard that... for me. Yeah, no, I'm talking about like rot, like decay. Like... No, 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 mm. nothing like that. Yeah, it it makes me wonder if um that's an instance where the rabbit was killed 
inefficiently or in a way where something burst inside of it intestines wise had to happen right there had to be some burst killed Um, and like started decaying before that animal was frozen yeah mm -hmm. i don't i don't really there's you know you have to start thinking of the ethics of your rodent breeder at that point yeah no she's a she like she does rabbit meat she does show rabbits like i've gone to her place to pick them up like she's yeah they she's got like a whole processing thing where they skin and they grind and do everything i mean they're they're pretty top-notch yeah I don't and it's know. a great price too it's only like i think i'm paying stop rubbing it in my face i two, already know you're like 220 <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to talk about it yeah okay. it's nice the only we'll save issues... that we'll save that for the feeder breeder episode right i want you to help and give us some insight into why the hell people are charging like 25 bucks for a jumbo rat <laughs> i'd love to i'm so tired <laughs> of buying rodents I'm gonna switch all my animals just to like strictly just poultry. <laughs> I'm gonna do what they do in Indonesia and just go to the supermarket and buy some freaking chicken drumsticks and just start feeding them to <laughs> I think as a it, I think as an emergency meal, that's fine. I've never seen it. I've never done it before, but I, I mean, I know people who have done it and do it, so it's interesting. I've, I've fed drumsticks to retics before and uh when when either the the rat guy just doesn't have the available stock or whatever and it's like you know they're they'll take it um but i don't think it's a, a good long-term solution do you like dip it in hot water to heat it up i thought you were going to say hot sauce i was also anticipating hot sauce <laughs> for some reason buffalo wing sauce <laughs> A little bit of ranch at the end. Dip it no, in some just, ranch. just room temperature. <laughs> oh, man. All right. All right. I think that rounds we're wrapping off. It up on that. Yeah, I we're, think we're that rounds off our chicken. episode. Thank you, everyone, who, who dare stayed to the end of this episode <laughs> where it went very off the rails. Um, our Patreon community, we can't thank you enough. Uh, you guys are just you know, what keeps our faith alive in the retic community. You ask awesome questions all the time on the discord server. There's always good conversation going there. Uh, remember if you're on YouTube, remember to subscribe, like, and comment on this episode. It helps push the episode out to other people and we'll see you next week. <laughs>